Podcast with me, Phil, and me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're returning once again to uh, the audio stories of Doctor Who and Big Finish. And this week, we've selected a Fifth Doctor story, Primeval, which we, sh- we shall talk about later on. But first, let's have some news. And there's not a lot of news to talk about after the announcement of the the uh, Doctor's new companion. It's all got a bit quiet again, isn't it? Really. That's not surprising. It's not, is it? Because it's not even started filming yet. So, um, But anyway, we have a couple of bits to talk about. Um, I think the most interesting thing um, that sort of came out uh, this week uh, was that the production team of Doctor are considering a US-style writer's room um, once Chris Chibnall takes over. Um, basically, if you don't know what that means, um, it's what the American shows do um, quite a bit, actually. They engage multiple writers to work on certain episodes. So it's more of a team effort rather than just one person writing. You'll have a, a few people contributing to an episode. Um, interesting development, don't you think? It is. I'm just not, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm obviously not quite sure how that will work. But I think, I don't know... One of the good things about Doctor Who is the fact, because you get different writers, mm. is you get lots of different ideas, and and I'm not quite sure whether that's more going to become... Everything's going to start becoming a bit more samey. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, you, I mean, if you've... I don't know. If you look at some of the... Success, I could just try to think of some of the successful American shows that do it. Um, I suppose they all do it, really. Um so things like you know I don't know Daredevil or to, to name but one really because that's been one of my favourite things to watch at the moment. That's been incredibly but, successful. So, but um, then they're more sort of series based, aren't they? They are, um, but it does I'm go not... to show you can still continue an arc with multiple writers. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's just just like I say. I mean, whether it would or not, it's just the fact that. You sort of just feel that you get sort of quirky, more you can get more quirky stories from a single person's view, perhaps. Hmm. Possibly. Possibly. Now, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's too bad an idea. I think it might just, I don't know, shake things up a little bit. It'd be something different, won't it? I mean, it's all about yeah. you know, after so many years of Stephen Moffat, and I've loved the writers that he's um, that he's he's had right for the show um but I, maybe it's just time to do something different really um but it's when i put this up on our um on our facebook group we had a couple of responses um and one i think it was from becky barnum hello becky said that she was really open to the idea um and then one other other um <laughs> whatever listeners it was uh mark um bat masterson hello mark um he said um you know that that can lead to torture with miracle day basically <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably where my thoughts are on that one. <laughs> if you just yeah, you just end up and see, and again, just because I think I actually prefer Doctor Who when it's not very story arced, and I can mm. sort of see that leading to more overall story arc stuff through a series. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I sort of agree with you there. Really, I'm I'm sort of a bit bored with the story arc thing now um maybe it's just good just to have 
standalone episodes for a change. Yeah. You know, um, I know it all seems that you've got to build to a big finale. Maybe that's just what modern television is now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it probably is, but it would just be nice to do something a bit different. And maybe this is a way just to sort of reinvigorate things a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's not going to start saying criticize as, as I started to criticize it without giving it a go. Let's see what it happens. Exactly. It happen. um, yeah. Um, I mean, all we know at the moment. Um... I mean, I can dislike it once I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, all we know at the moment. The... Fan style. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right off before it's even begun, Paul. There you go. Now, apparently, the BBC has already met with the Writers Guild of Great Britain, um, which is the union um, for professional script writers, um, and apparently they're not. They're not against it, really. So, um, which is a good sign. So, I mean, you know, if if it gets their backing, then then it might just happen. Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah. if, but if anything else comes of that, of, of course, we'll um, we'll discuss it at um, probably not a great length, but <laughs> but to pad the show out, put it that way. That's how we do things on this show. Now, um, some other some, well, some good news actually. Big Finish license has been uh, renewed until uh, two thousand and twenty-five. Or twenty twenty five, however you want to you want to put it. Um, excellent news. We're still alive. We're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I mean, excellent stuff. Um, I don't know what it means for some of the older actors. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I suspect what that means is that they're going to go hell for leather recording stuff now because they know they've got ten years to put it out or nine years to put it out. Yes. Indeed. Um, what you'll end up is you'll, they'll probably have a stockpile of about five years' worth of material by by the year 2020. Well, I know that's what they've done with Tom Baker, isn't it? So, that, I mean, a lot of his stuff has sort of been recorded. It won't be released like 2017 or something ridiculous like yeah. that. Um, yeah, and I suspect that's what they keep doing now. They just keep trying to get as much in there. Now they know that, obviously, they can stockpile 10 years' worth of material. Yes. The only problem was was if they recorded all this Tom Baker stuff and then didn't have the license to actually put it out. Yes, that'd be a kick in the teeth, really, wouldn't yeah. it? Or they had to just sort of then just release it all in one go or something. I don't know, but don't know. So, but at least now they can sort of plan for for ten years so that they can get a reasonable um, turnover of different doctors yes. over a period. Um, some of which may be released after the. After their uh, unfortunate demise. Yes, yes. I like to uh, think about that too much, actually. Um, mm. uh, it's also, I mean, not just Doctor Who, this also means Torchwood audio dramas as well. That's that's part of the part of the licence renewal, which is... Um, yeah. Now, apparently, I haven't listened to any of the, the Torchwoods yet, um, but I understand they've, they've gone down very, very well, which is a good thing. So, um, yeah, they've been incredibly popular. So, um, But also, I mean, do you reckon this might open up Avenues for, you know, sort of the more, the more recent incarnation of the Doctor to um, make their appearance on Big Finish because, as we know, we've got um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate coming up. Yeah, uh, shortly. I, I mean, I, I would have thought so. I mean, because obviously, the more time that passes um, between them being the the Doctor and the past Doctor, mm. the more chance there is to to do this. So yeah. Yeah, I hope that, so. that would give enough time for Matt Smith, saying five years' time to. Well, I think hasn't he already said doing... he'd be up for it if asked? Did yeah. I, I think he did, didn't he? I mean, the point is, you, I, I, I suspect unless they really 
disliked the role or felt the role was holding had held them back or something like that. Mm. Most most people are. I mean, if if you enjoyed doing the role, then why would you? And you had the time to do it. Why would you turn down the work? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I just still find it strange. You've got you know John Hurt continuing to play the Doctor um, in audio form, which I think is an amazing coup. I think for Big Finish, um, and Chris Freckleston still. Sort of, it's very not standoffish. He just he has literally just taken a step back from Doctor Who, hasn't he? He won't. He won't. It's, it's a yeah. shame. It's a shame, really, because you know, obviously, Big Finish is a completely different um, scenario to um, the TV production team of, of Doctor. Because I think yeah. that's that's what everyone's saying. That's what you fill out with the with the with the then production team. But it's you just know, like so. us. If, if if it's not happy memories, then. Yeah, you wouldn't do it. Why, why, why would but you then again, you couldn't it, really so. say it's happy memories for Colin Baker either, could you? <laughs> Um, you don't know. I mean, it's he might have enjoyed the enjoyed the role, but I mean, Chris Redson probably and, and enjoyed also, the role. But and I suspect it's actually with Colin Baker. Colin Baker, I think, more did it more because he saw it as an opportunity to do it as he wanted it done. Which I think is, put, well, that has happened, isn't it? Put, really, to yeah. put right the wrongs rather than. <laughs> whereas I don't think Eccleston particularly dislikes his. Doctor, just the way, just the whole experience of doing it. Mm. But that's what I'm saying. It's a it's a different ball game altogether with Big Finish. It's a shame, really. It's a shame. I think a lot of people would like to see him do it. Uh, maybe he will one day. Maybe when he's mellowed a bit more about yeah. it, he might sort of uh, might do it for the right reasons. Put it that way. Anyway, now last up in the news, um, we sort of we just missed this one. I think after we last recorded, I think, but. Um, uh, Last um, episode, uh, or sort of, sort of the penultimate episode of series uh, series nine, Heaven Sent, um, has been nominated for a Hugo Award um, uh, this year. Um, I'm trying to see when it will be um, Saturday, 20th August, when that will be announced at the uh, Mid American Two Hugo Award ceremony held in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, so, uh, well, with good reason, I think it's been nominated. Yes, that's what I'm going to say, actually. Um, now, just to give you an idea who it's up against, it's up against uh, Grim Headache, written by Jim Coof and David Greenwall. Um, Jessica Jones, uh, the episode, um, a.k.a. Smile, written by Scott Reynolds. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. The Cutie Map, parts one and two, <laughs> written by Scott Sonborn. I never thought I'd ever say that on this podcast. <laughs> Which you'll be reviewing in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> and Supernatural, Just My Imagination, written by Jenny Klein. So, um, yes, uh, so good luck to um, Stephen Moffat and obviously Rachel Talalay, who directed it as well. Um, I'll, be, I'll be very, very surprised if they don't win it because it was an utterly outstanding piece of television. Yeah. It really is. Um, and I can't remember if I've got up that far with, with Jessica Jones at the moment, if I've actually watched the episode. I can't remember. So it's, it's a bit of a slow burner for me, Jessica Jones, I'm afraid. Right. But you've... Uh, well, it's... You haven't been watching any of them. You haven't got Netflix, have you? So you haven't been. I have. You have got. Uh, oh, you have got Netflix. You said I have, but I just haven't been watching that. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Okay. Well, watch Daredevil. If you watch anything, I'm watch about da- halfway through the first series of Daredevil. Oh, right. Okay. But that's very much on and off. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what I like about it. you. Can just watch it when you want to. All yeah. Time. So you can you can just blitz it in one sitting or just drop in and out. So I think mean, it's, it's 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 great. So uh, anyway, that's it for the news. And for, there's no tech caller this week. We we couldn't find anything that was sort of worthy of inclusion, really, could we? So no. not that any of it really is ever worthy of inclusion. But 
There you go. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, if that, if that was the criteria. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, crikey. Okay, everybody. So uh, that's it for the news. So coming up next is our review of Primeval by Big Finish. So for another week then, that was the news. Right, everybody. It's time for us to take a look at another Big Finish story. And as I said at the top of the show, we've selected a Fifth Doctor story. And this time it is primeval. Nyssa is convinced that the Doctor is a good man. I've travelled quite widely, met the most terrible people with the most appalling beliefs. I consider them evil, but I'm sure if you were to ask them, they'd tell you that I'm the monster, not them. In my experience, every paradise has its serpent somewhere. Hello? Is anyone there? Tunnel is through that door. Hurry! Neutronic lock. Simple enough to open, I'll just use my yum. Oh, yes, I was forgetting. Oh well, I have to do it the hard way now. Let's see, uh, then I'll practice. Hurry! You must see that he is evil. He causes death and destruction. Vigilance is our sacred duty, Captain. You're new, aren't you? Anona? That's right, sir. I was recruited I on. I know who you are. What the blaze is. A ship approaching. A big ship. Smashing course and speed. It can't be. Pirates, we need to turn around. I can defeat you. The idea isn't to die for our ideals, it's to make sure the enemy die for theirs. I can stop you. I mask the darkness, it fills me. Other races have false gods, or worse, they have no gods at all. The whole universe envies us. And the whole universe will kneel before me in worship. I will never kneel. Then die! No! No! Right then, Paul. Uh, actually, before we begin, um, this one was released in November 2001, so it's quite an old title. Um, it's written by... Um, it's Primeval. So it's Primeval, yeah. So it's written by Lance Parkin, directed by Gary Russell. And so obviously, as this was released in 2001, it's an old story. It's been out there a long time. So there will be spoilers whilst we discuss this particular story. So now we've, yep. got, so now we've got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> Paul, it's your turn to kick this, uh, this review off. What did you think? Um, it, yeah, I didn't mind this, actually. It, it's quite a slow starter. I found. Yes, it is. Um, as in, I've listened to it twice and I fell asleep during the first episode both <laughs> times, waking up. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, mainly because I listened to, I've got to listen to that again because I fell asleep and I fell asleep again. So <laughs> I was fine. It's just not really going to so, happen. So, how much, much of this have you actually listened to? <laughs> um, duh. No, it's only actually, only actually the first. first episode so to speak i sort of drifted off some time between um them getting on the ship to to go outside of the yeah. the okay. union and did the rest of it was your dream about you riding a cheese horse or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did find that was a bit strange really i didn't quite understand how that fitted in with <laughs> Oh dear! So, so, so you so you found it a bit slow to begin with. Um, I just yeah no it, it's it yeah for me it doesn't it didn't really 
get started the till the first episode. It just seemed to be very. I mean, and, we, and having complained about um, last time about fear her being too quick a story and could have done with a bit more on now I'm going to complain about this one. Oh, you're so fickle. <laughs> I know. Perhaps trying to st- stretch it out a bit. Hmm. Um, it yeah did have a lot of scene setting the first episode I thought well I mean I mean obviously this is a return to Traken yes um, 3,000 years in this has passed isn't it um, and it all it all sort of stemming from, it's kind of like a A is a sequel to, to kind of like a sequel to Keeper of Traken um, and it's also sequels to things like um, I want to think of um, prequel, Kinder sir. It's like Kinder because when she spends all her time asleep in the um, yeah in the it, Tardis, it, 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 yeah, it's almost like they've sort of taken the idea of of her having to having the pro- psychic problems and whatever, yeah, and have decided well we're now going to give the explanation to those, yeah, in this episode, and it, it, it it's it's quite an interesting episode. I just don't really, I didn't quite get the have any connection with the other Traken characters? Well, I, I was about to say, because they're so... They're not particularly interesting characters, are they? Because they're so no. bloody wet. Yeah. Um, and it's not until you get the invasion of Traken at the end that you, you sort of see, well, they will just align themselves with whoever's winning, really. They're, they're just a big bunch of cowards. Um, yeah. And that, that was sort of the only time they sort of become interesting, but... They were really just sort of pompous, over-officious, not willing to listen to reason, and frankly quite annoying characters, to be honest. <laughs> and, and you felt they should have worked it out themselves, who Quandar was. Yes, they should have Having, done, really. Knowing their history, mm. um, it seems... You, you can understand if it had been something that had been obviously erased from... From history, so to speak, as it supposedly was. Yeah. But then you get, um, I can't remember what's the name of the the female um, console was, who suddenly seemed to was have it, all the history. Was it? Um, uh, is it Janius or something? Was that her Janius, name? Janius. Yeah. Janius. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed to have all. Seemed to know all the history about there being a god and yeah, whatever. Which you'd have thought, well, if you knew that, then surely you would have worked. You should have worked that out a lot quicker. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah. As, as to who, who he was from, from pretty much the first time that you, well, not that he arrived because he must have always been there during your lifetime. But you should, have, someone should have worked that out. Well, I think so. I think so. It's. I mean, I think that they were just so, sort of blinded by their, their sort of way of life that they'd now sort of adopted. Uh, since, yeah. they, since they kicked out um, Quandar, uh, which we'll come to in, in a minute. Uh, but I think it was just a, as I say, it, it, that's what I found annoying because they just wouldn't listen to reason. I know that's there's been plenty of characters like that in Doctor Who over the years, um, where you get the sort of over-officious uh, sort of clerks, or it could be like you know, government ministers, or if they go to a different planet, they're you know, whoever's in charge is sort of like, no, that's that, that. We protect the ancient religions, and it's it's all very, very. Even though the 
evidence of is right in front of them. They won't believe it, you know. Sort of science, yeah. pa. You know, it's it's very much like that. Uh, but although this is supposed to be the opposite, <laughs> it is really, isn't it? Because they just embrace science. You know. These are science and, and and religion, pa, and God, pa, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. Yeah, it's that, all... that that's sort of why I was a bit more a case of, well, yeah, I don't quite quite see why that sort of seemed a bit a bit odd in this. Yes, yes, indeed. Um... Yeah, I mean, um, but I mean the obviously you've got the um, the character Shayla by played by Susan Payne Halligan. Um, I, I didn't sort of realise it was. I looked at the cast list. Uh, I thought she was quite good actually, um, because she was more sort of open. To, to everything that was going on around her, um, yeah, and she sort of went off with the with the doctor onto Quandar's uh, ship, which I thought they actually made a good pair. They did, and and to the fact that she was even more of a there to actually highlight just how, if you're talking about this being a question of of good and evil, mm. and evil being a disease. Yeah, um, she was definitely there to show that there wasn't actually, you know, you sort of you you have as it says in here that evil is just a a point of view. Mm. Um, she was there almost to say no, it isn't because I am just good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from the point of view of giving uh, them all the medical information exactly without yeah. wanting anything in return. Yeah. Even though technically she was she was still being held prisoner at the time, <laughs> to saying to the doctor about um, how, how was he going to how would he have stopped the ignition of the um, drive on the ship when they was escaping had the guards not got out of the way? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she I mean, she did make some very very good sort of points. Throughout it, actually, actually going back onto the when they were they were kept prisoner, uh, one thing I did sort of like about uh, sort of Quandar's followers was the fact they're all perfectly happy to be there, even though there was sort of yeah. they were the kind of all there under duress, weren't they? Um, because Quandar, he was he could basically see everything through time and space. Basically, he, he was a god. Yeah, um, which is quite unusual for Doctor Who actually to actually say no, that th- th- there's no you know there's no other way around this, this guy is a, a god um, and there are well, other gods out there as well yeah. that he's now yeah. he, rallied. He's, yeah, you know, a, a omniscient being. Yes, omniscient so being. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so basically all the people that follow him, he's he's got some sort of hold over them. He's always like threatening to kill their families or, or something. But at the same token... But they're not there it, through fear. No, no, because they're there bl- blindly following him and... Any ship or planet they sort of take over, the, the plunder is shared. Yeah, you know, so they, they all do very, very well out of it, which yeah, I thought right. was quite an original sort of take on it, to be honest. And, a... and and the fact that they they should feel no guilt if they're doing his work. Yeah, he tells it basically he's taking all responsibility. Yeah, it's for it... everything they do. It's not again. It's that whole evil is a point of view, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because even there, even with the captain who then only starts almost to start having doubts when he starts worrying about what he could do to his daughters. 
Yes. Because you get the point there that he's just there, actually. He's just he's just working abroad, earning, sending his money home, isn't he, really? He's, he's really, yeah. <laughs> so He's very much like that. But it's yeah, it's it's not necessarily the the he's he's particularly evil or has gone. No, he's just you know he's earning good money here. Yeah, exactly. Send it back home and keep his family into the the lifestyle they well, they become accustomed to. You know, yeah. Or bait that you know Quando will kill them in the instant if he betrays him. So yeah, it's uh... now speaking of Quando, what do you think of um. And another sort of um, sort of famous person from sci-fi, Stephen Grief, because he played uh, Travis. Um, I think in the first season of uh, Blake Seven, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I actually thought he was really rather good. I was going to say I thought he was actually the best thing in it. Yes, because because actually in what for that for that character, this all powerful, all it, we didn't get the Stephen Fawn shouty I am a god did we no we didn't we really didn't it was very very much underplayed yeah and, and very very I found very very sinister yeah it, it it was it was the god that was amused that, that, that there was actually uh, that people felt they had a choice yes indeed I think that's term- how he played it wasn't it? it it really was just the you know well I'm, I'm all, I, I don't actually have to shout because I don't because you haven't got any choice what you're going to do. I'm in total control. Yes, indeed. And I don't have to worry, and I know everything. So, yeah. um, what, what, what do I need? What, why do I need to to lambast and uh, and scream for? No, exactly. He's more along the lines of a, um, as you said, not so much a, a Stephen Thorne Omega. This is more a, a Gabriel Wolf Sutek type of villain, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, everything was very, very quiet. He knew what he could do to people. As, as you say, he didn't have to. He didn't have to shout to the heavens about it, did he? So, but not not exactly a sense of humour, but a sense of fun. It almost he almost had in yes. what he did. Yes, you, you, yeah, you, you're onto something there. Actually, he was sort of amused by it all, wasn't he? Yeah, even the. The, the betrayal of, by the captain and that amused him. Yeah. Because he knew it was going to happen. Yeah. He just sort of like, um, I'm quite happy to let this play out and to its inevitable yeah. conclusion. Or so yeah. he thought, anyway. Um, you know, which is what makes me think that the Doctor's solution at the end to keep Quandar uh, occupied was giving Nyssa a false code. Yeah. Now surely Quandar would have known that the Doctor gave Nyssa a false code. <laughs> if he's all-knowing. Because he's already um, inside the Doctor's head at this point, isn't he? Well, it's a question of... Is I'm, he I'm at that stage? Up, or has, well, I'm picking holes here. I do, I do appreciate that. But Has the Doctor... Um, worked out that how to hide certain information? Having having had the the one meeting or two meetings with him where he was probably unprepared for his power mm. has he by this stage worked out how he can hide certain bits of information and that bit about the code and what he needed to do to get into the it's, chair and everything was possible he's, he's, yeah he's now now he's ready for it it's almost like you know the cause he says about cause he says to nissa isn't it the, the answer to nissa um was the fact that the, he knew cert, there were certain um psychic tricks and Yes. Wall building that he could teach her and everything. Which probably then says, is that because he's gone back and 
revisited them himself. Yeah, I, th- as I a think fresh corpse too. Yes, I think you're right there. Actually, yeah, I think I've sort of mis- misread that bit. Um, it's quite interesting though because well, actually, I say interesting. There's one because the Doctor is completely powerless. Yeah, in front of um, in front of Quandar, and the one thing I'm I'm not totally sure if they did make clear or not. And I don't know it's good asking you because you fell asleep twice. But um, whether they actually explained why when you saw his face, it was almost sort of like it would be the end of you. Um, I don't remember recall them actually ever explaining that. I'm not so sure necessarily as in in that if it was actually his fa- his actual his his face or if it was just actually the almost the look into my eyes sort of bit of look at my face yeah it wasn't really because, explained, because was it? later on when the doctor's got control he can't Quandar can't look into the doctor's eyes no because the doctor's got the power yeah so i don't think it was necessarily a deformity or something like that which is what i thought it was first of all with the Whatever. I think it's just more the fact that when you looked into his face and whatever, he looked at his face and that. Yeah. The, the, the contact between the two of you would be so strong. Mm. The mental contact then yeah. would be so so strong that it would actually that actually cause the, the the problems to people. So people tended not to look at him because it was a way of perhaps they felt not giving total control over. Oh, right, I just thought that I don't know why I just sort of formed it in my mind that whenever one went to see Quando in his in his room or you know where, where the hell he was, he always had his back to them for some reason. I don't know whether I again I just sort of misread that or misheard it or or yeah. what. But oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. he says to uh, the captain says to the lieutenant um, about did you look at him? Yeah, more than I've been able to do. Yeah, I think it's I think it was. I presume, although I did wonder because there was the stuff with uh, when they was in the uh, spring bit, and that was supposed to have been like acid to them. And you sort of then I did wonder about was that when they kicked him out? Mm. Did he burn in some way? Well, it was the source, wasn't it? It was the, it yeah. was this whole thing about the source. It was in these these sort of um, it would heal. Um, Sort of, it was, that's why Nissa was taken there, wasn't it? Not, it wasn't healer, yeah. but it would certainly sort of calm her down a little bit um, because there was sort of the, the the source that affected these waters. Um yeah. And I think that that's why, because obviously these have been affected. These people have been affected by Quanda. So that's when Anona got in the got in the pool. Um, that's why she was sort of burning up in it. Yeah. So it was it was sort of like light versus dark, basically, to to a certain degree. Um, Obviously, it all sort of comes up. Quandar was the person who was he the person who, who he just gave them the knowledge to create the source, didn't he? And then they yeah, re- and they, he, re- they sort of we don't need you, so they reject him because we now have science. So yeah, that was the they, yeah. yeah they rejected he, the religion. He he was supposed to have been a benevolent. He says that he was a, a benevolent god. Yeah, and yeah, he taught them enough that they didn't need him anymore basically yeah exactly so it's all kind of backfired on him and I, and I like the idea that he'd just been sort of circling around um, Traken not been able to get through because of the source and he yeah. needed these psychic links to put the barriers up so he could he could get through so um, and this was the was the vessel for that to begin with anyway yeah. so yeah I, I did sort of um, I, I quite like that idea you just sort of like 
like a like a caged animal, really, sort of prowling around, waiting mm. to get out. Really. And and he'd looked for a child of a child of Trakan, yeah, that was off outside of the the union and out of out of the power of the source. Yes, to, to take try to take control of. Yeah, that was. I thought that was quite a good. Yeah, I idea. like that. I like that. I mean, there's a lot. There's lots of good things in this. To be honest, um, it's just a lot of the characters are so bloody wet on Traken. That's the yeah. That's the only thing. Um, and and you sort of yeah, <laughs> and, and you yeah, you do end up with the. I mean, I, I like the fact that the tricking the Doctor into um, how he tricks the Doctor into basically raising the shields. Yeah, yeah. By t- saying to him that you're you're. Yeah, you know, saying he wants him to go and collect something, but not actually even telling him what it what it would be. Just so, you know, saying that oh, you'll you'll know it when you see it. Mm. That was a good and, idea, actually. And yeah. knowing the doctor would be completely unable to resist putting his mind at rest as to what he was supposed to have done. Yeah, precisely. He'd have to he'd have to go and find out. He's sort of thirst for knowledge. Um, mm. sort of his, his and then, then trying to be clever himself and. Blazing the shields and whatever. Yeah. So no, it, it was. I mean, I say there's some good little, good little things in this. Actually, talking of the Doctor, what do you think of um, Peter Davison's performance in this one? Um. Yeah. Okay. I, I, um, apart from me screaming, <laughs> <laughs> not quite sure on that. To be honest. Um. But. Yeah. It's. It's not. Massively, actually, the Doctor. You think about it until the final episode when they're actually inside the source. It's not actually that the Doctor does a lot. N- no, it that... is. It is Quandar's story, really. It is really. Um, and I think this is and probably think... the, the the problem with the with the Fifth Doctor. Because if you watch a lot of his um, like the the, te- the televised serials, he doesn't really affect the outcome of the story too much a lot of the time, the Doctor. Things just seem to sort of happen around him. Yeah. And I think it's very much the same with this story. Uh, he's not in any sort of control at all right until the last episode. He's pushed around by sort of like the the very wet inhabitants of Trark and then he goes up to Quandar's warship and, and, and is again pushed around by them as well. Um, and he just seems to go from push from pillar to post all the time. And Nissa just spends all the time on a, on a sick bed. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's Nissa's a bit odd in this as well because obviously, yeah, you have her on the. She's close to death at the start of it. Yeah. And then she's teaching him how to do the. I presume it's saying that how the the fact of once, uh, Quandar's got what he wants. Yeah. Then he's not actually bothering to make Nissa ill anymore. Which so is that's quite a bit. Yeah, which is actually why she she recovers so quickly is the fact that he's actually got what he wants by then, or yeah, at so least he's just not. Yeah, he's not worried. Um, yeah, so he's not actually making her ill, so she's not ill. Um, yeah, but but to recover sort of that, I know these have got the healing powers of the source and everything, but you know, one minute she, as you say she's at death's door, next minute she's t- teaching um, Sabian the, the the Charleston. Yeah. So um, obviously this one now follows Black Orchid as well. So yes. <laughs> So and then another last little thing about the um, when the when the doctor was trying to escape um, from Quandar's ship and he, he trying to get that um, that door open which had like so many trillion combinations it was all right I'll just use my ah uh, and he meant the sonic screwdriver which he hasn't got yeah. anymore so 
So it's I, I did like the sort of little nods to previous stories. And I like actually. the fact that that he's you know he goes he goes away feeling pretty pleased with himself because he worked out the the code. And he didn't. And what, <laughs> he didn't. <no. laughs> and he's like, you didn't honestly believe you did that, did you? <laughs> so again, the doctor did nothing. <laughs> no. The other odd thing, if you this, the doctor and Nissa. Yeah. Um, you think it was a bit odd though that he made her get into a swimsuit for most of the second half of this? Yes, yes, that was a bit strange, wasn't it? That was a bit strange. Um, um, uh, but but you know, which, which is fine if they was both then. In that situation, mm. but you're going to get. Oh, doctor, you've got you've got changed. Yes, I bought my own clothes. Yeah, I, I didn't bring you any though. No, it's just. I know what they were, they were trying to push more for a, um, a father daughter relationship between this and the doctor in this one. Well, yeah, because the you know, cause they say, "Are you are you her father?" Yeah, which is also a bit odd though, because because he wasn't that much older. Than take take <laughs> taking the period and and the if you're taking this is you know in chronological order with the, the series mm. and set around the same time. Yeah, you wouldn't have looked at the two of them and thought, oh, that's father and daughter. No, maybe a kindly uncle or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a young a young uncle at that. Yeah, but... not an older brother, maybe. Maybe, yeah. That, that's about yeah. as far as you'd go, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's I mean, like, yeah. Because I mean, the Doctor looks like he's in his mid-30s and Nissa was, the character was about 18 at the time. She yeah. Certainly sort of a teenage character. So yeah, I think you're right. Actually, older brother would be more appropriate. But I know sort of like Peter Dawson's Doctor did act a lot older than than his than his looks. To be honest, because you know he had the, like the half glasses perched on the end of his nose. And, and yeah, the, I mean, I, I can understand. Know. I can understand the relationship between them being but, almost. But from the outside looking but in, for somebody for somebody who just met them, yeah. and Nissa at this stage hasn't recovered, so there's no actual been any dialogue between them no not for, really for them to for the for the other people to pick up yeah they might immediately say are you her father yeah to make that assumption just on looks was a bit odd yes it was it was um did you also find now people have said this before and i've never really noticed it until now that sarah sutton can be a little bit one note in her performance i did find her a bit wooden where it needed a little bit more emotion for, for for what was happening, she just seemed a little bit sort of flat. Did did you find that yourself, or didn't um, did you know? Didn't it sort of bother you really? Well, no, it just was Nissa, really. I think <laughs> probably it's probably the thing. I mean, it wasn't that it was you know in the TV when the TV series was done many years earlier. Yeah, her character was. Was completely was, was it sounded different or whatever? Mm. So I suppose you'll say that she actually did capture this character again. <laughs> Do you know what the fuck? Whether the only, that's her or well, the, the, the only or, her, or how how she wanted to play it. I yeah, don't I don't know, but yeah, I think the only time she sort of sort of gave any emotion her performance was when she was trying to invite Sabin to get into the pool with her. Yeah. So that was the only time she sort of like sort of like saucy Nissa. <laughs> Of which there was no mention then of over a swimsuit. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Yeah, just the doctor got into a swimsuit. Yeah, rather, rather peculiar, rather peculiar. But um, but at the end of the day, I mean, would would you would you recommend this to people? Uh, if, if you're having difficulty sleeping, yeah, no. 
I, I would actually. I mean, it, you just 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 stick with it. I think is the is yeah. The I thing. mean, it's I... a it's a it's a four part story, <laughs> um, and I I think it it cracks along at a fair pace. It's certainly not. I didn't find it boring. Put it that way. I know yeah. I know I know you fell asleep, so you you might have found it found it boring uh, on on both occasions. But I certainly didn't. You know. No, I mean certainly once you once you get past that once once the doctor's on the on the way to. Quandar the first time. Yeah. Um, from then on, yeah, no, it, it goes. It's quite nice. It's, it's, it, it, it does work. I quite enjoyed it as a story. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a case of you. I mean, for me, it was it was more a case. Of, I want to see what Quandar does next because I was yeah. just because I was just so enjoying Stephen Grease's performance in this. Yeah. And Susan Penhaligon's that matter as well. I thought she was very very good. So um, yeah, I think on that basis, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it also. Actually, yeah. I know we probably just well we haven't given away one big plot point which I'm not going to actually, no no so we'll, we'll leave that one for you to uh, to figure out for yourselves if you do decide to listen to it. I know we're giving a lot away here but um, but really <laughs> our reviews never do anything justice. So <laughs> no, I mean we always said we we review them as 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 we would do a TV show that people would have all seen so. exactly, and this is what you know 15 years old now this title yeah. so. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Okay then. So um, that's that. Uh, but coming up on our next episode, we have another audio commentary, don't we? Yes. Yes. We decided to. So we we found time to um, get together, uh, Paul, myself, and Tony as well. And uh, we thought we haven't done a Sixth Doctor story for a while. We did, no. it, it, it seemed that way to us anyway. But, yeah. And um, we we thought we we pick one that's. Um, that's probably not so well, well remembered, and I'm not looked back on upon too fondly. Yes, folks, we're going to be doing time lash. Yes, <laughs> I'm so looking forward to this. <laughs> Come on, Colin Baker and Paul Darrow sh- sharing the screen together again at last after Blake Seven. <laughs> Have you seen that episode of Blake Seven? Uh, not recently. Not recently. Not okay. Yes, they're sharing the screen again. Okay, so yeah, so that's what we're doing. Um, so that's what we're doing next, and then, um, well, we'll announce what we're going to do at the end of that one. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know yet. We don't know. No. We don't know. So uh, I know we should we should have a um, a target novelization review to come up fairly soon, but we haven't selected one yet. So gives us a bit of time anyway. Yes, and to read it as well for that matter. Let alone choose one. Crikey. So uh, anyway, should we wrap that up? At, uh, I'll say that again. Should we wrap that up, up there, Paul? I can't. I got me teeth in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we better add. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so until next time, then it is goodbye from me, Phil, and it's goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. podcast please visit our website at who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk you can also follow us on twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast and please also join the who's he podcast facebook group the who's he podcast is a member of the doctor who podcast alliance